Luke 10, 38 through 34. Please stand for the reading of God's word. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I like how we talk in Southern Cal. We're so soft. You made it through the storm to get here today. <laughs> and I say that with a cold. I've been hit with a cold, so I'm soft. And you'll have to bear with my, my voice this morning. Um, but good to see you all. Great to be together to continue our conversation in Luke's gospel. Uh, our passage today begins with this phrase, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way. And there'll be a lot of times in loose gospel from here on out where you'll, you'll hear that phrase, while he was on his way. And so I want to remind you that we're in a part of Luke's gospel that is called the travel narrative. The first 10 chapters or so, Luke begins up in Galilee, does a lot of ministry there in the, in the, in the towns around the, the Sea of Galilee. And then in chapter 9, it says, when the time came, Luke set his face for Jerusalem. And he turns to the south, to Jerusalem, to the cross, and he begins this long journey towards Jerusalem, ultimately towards his death. And so for about 10 chapters, we, we get this narrative. And so the disciples are on this journey with Jesus. They're, they're on this physical journey from Galilee to Jerusalem, but they're also on a spiritual journey with Jesus, learning what does it mean to follow this guy? What, is, what are his priorities? What are his values? And so that's the journey that we're on from now until Easter. We're on this journey with Jesus, walking with him on the way, learning to do life uh, with him, in him, and like him. And so we come uh, to this, this uh, little stop on the journey. And, um, you know, it's funny. Many of you in this room have heard this story since you're a little kid. Uh, I have. It's this beloved story, I think, this little snippet of a story. It struck me this week for the first time, in, in one respect, how utterly small and insignificant this story is. Like how utterly mundane this story is. And, and, and John's gospel ends by saying, if, if everything could be written about Jesus that happened, the, the world is not big enough, right, to fill up all the books that be written. So th these these. Jesus' early friends, they have so many stories to pull from to try to synthesize his life. And so you think if you could, what are the most important stories? And it just struck me for the first time, interesting that Luke, of all the stories he could tell, he takes the story of Jesus going to a home and these two sisters, one's doing some, you know, some getting things ready, the other's not, and this one's complaining that this one's not helping her. Like what an utterly, seemingly insignificant, mundane story and yet I think as, as you sit with the story, you realize actually this is, Luke is including this because this is, this is right at the very center of what this journey with Jesus is all about, as I think we'll see if you don't already know that. 
I also think it's an incredibly relevant uh, story to our culture and our lives today, as I hope that you will see. Um, tempting to phrase this story, maybe you've heard this story phrased in terms of personality types, right? There's the Marthas of the world and there's the Marys of the world. And so we kind of pit, there's those who are action-oriented, task-oriented. There's doers versus the more contemplative feelers, relational types. And, you know, this is, you know, the, 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 the contemplatives win in this one, right? Yay for the contemplatives, you know. Um, <laughs> And uh, many of us, of course, I think, empathize with Martha because we relate to Martha, right? Her sister should be helping her. Someone's got to do this stuff. And so I'd like to reframe the story a bit uh, in, in terms of the issue of hospitality. And I do that for a couple of reasons. One is the theme of hospitality runs straight through chapter 10 of Luke. So we haven't read other stories, but if you were to go back to the beginning of chapter 10, uh, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers to go out before him, and they go to these different cities and towns to proclaim the message. And there's a big theme of hospitality. Which of these towns will receive his followers and be hospitable to him, to them? And then the next one in verse 25 is the story of the Good Samaritan, Right? This, this Jewish guy who uh, is beaten on the side of road, left for dead, and then these three men who walk by, and the question is, who will offer true hospitality to this man? And now we come to the scene where Jesus himself is in need of hospitality, and it says, uh, it came to a village, and a woman named Martha opened her home to him. That is the language of hospitality. And so uh, I want to talk about hospitality uh, for a second before we look at these two sisters. Um, many of you would know that in the first century, in a first century Eastern Jewish culture, hospitality is everything, right? You, that is a, a, a huge value in that culture. It's utterly important that you welcome the stranger and there's an obligation to hospitality. And... Um, so I guess I, I, the question I want to ask this morning is this. I want to frame it not in terms of personality types or anything else, but this. Uh, what kind of hospitality do these two women offer to Jesus? And more importantly, what is the kind of hospitality that Jesus is seeking? What is the kind of hospitality that he is seeking from us today? All right? So let's talk about hospitality for a second. Um, 2,000 years later, 21st century Western world, I would say hospitality is a dying art, okay? And essentially what we've done in our Western culture days, we've basically uh, shipped out hospitality to the professionals. We now have a hospitality industry, right? We, we leave this to hotels and bed and breakfasts rather than people just opening their homes to strangers. So we professionalized hospitality and it's, it's something that's less familiar to us than it was 2,000 years ago. But really... I think we all know, at, at the core, all that hospitality is about is, is about making room for the other, right? That's what hospitality is. It's making room for the other. And of course, there's physical hospitality, right, where we might invite someone over to our physical space, to our home. We make room at a table for them to eat with us, or we might even make room in a guest bedroom for them to stay with us. There's physical hospitality, creating physical space. But then there's relational hospitality, right? And, and what we do in relational hospitality is we make room for the other. We create space in our hearts, in our minds, in our attention, and we create a space for another person. Hopefully, we create a space that is safe, that is comfortable, what Henry Nouwen calls a free and fearless space, 
our presence, uh, hopefully the way we interact creates a space for a person to feel safe, to feel comfortable, to feel themselves. And so I want you to think uh, in, in terms of your own life, what kind of hospitality do you seek what, is the, what do you long for? What kind of hospitality do you long for from others? Let me give you two different scenarios, okay? So let's, I'm going to give you two different um, dinner uh, invite scenarios, okay? So you're, you've been invited to a, a home. Here's one kind of hospitality, okay? So you're invited to this home. You get to the home, and it is immaculate, okay? Beautiful, amazing home you walk, and it's clear that a professional has been there in the last 24 hours to clean the home, Okay? Uh, the music is dialed in. The Spotify playlist is, is just like just right, okay? The candles are the right scent for the season, right? The, 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 the table settings, they're, they're good. Um, the food is just, it's colorful, it's healthy, it's organic, it's everything, it's tasty. It's what you'd want it to be, right? But the whole night, the hosts are, are um, distracted, they're, they're constantly making sure that, the, you know, the, the oven's just, everything's happening. The food's coming out just the right time. They're actually changing the Spotify list to, as you shift from course to course. And, and, and they've got this other dinner party they're planning the next night. So they're on their phones and they're texting as, you, as you're talking. You've been in this immaculate place, but you walk away and you're like, gosh, I, I never actually felt listened to. Like, I don't feel like we even really connected that well. Okay, that's scenario one. Versus scenario two, you're invited to this home. Uh, and it turns out it's a simple home. It's um, clean-ish, you know. It's 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 it meets the the minimum level of clean, but it's lived in, you know. It's uh, it's not upgraded so much. Um, the food is okay. It's simple food. Uh, there's no candles, you know. There's no music. But but from the minute you walk in, these people just take you in. They're present to you. You can tell they're interested in you. They're asking you really good questions. They're making comments that are thoughtful, that are interesting. There's real connection, and you, you walk away from that feeling, having been taken in, there was space made for you, and you feel loved, you feel cared for, you feel connected, okay? Which, which of those two forms of hospitality do you long for? Number two, good answer. That's the correct answer. Thank you, Kim. Yes, I do too. Um, what kind of hospitality is it that Jesus longs for from us? Um, that's what I think is, is, is what Luke is getting at in the, sharing the story of these two women. So, okay, all that by, by way of introduction. Let's look at these, these two sisters in turns. Let, let's start with Martha. We get several stories of her in uh, the different gospel accounts, and I think if you piece those together, you get a picture of someone who I would say is, is definitely a good woman. Okay, she is um, generous. I think she is godly. She's probably fairly wealthy. I imagine she is respected. She is responsible. And she is depicted here as welcoming him, Jesus into her home. She is hospitable. Uh, but of course, in verse 40, we get this little description of her. My translation reads, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Right? Literally, this is what it says. This is an ESV translation, which catches it really, really well. Martha was distracted by much serving. And what's interesting to me is that word serving, everywhere else in the Bible, has a very positive connotation. Okay? It's the word where we get our word deacon. You guys know that word? It's a very good word. It's a word that we are all called to. It is positive and good. And yet in this case, it says that Martha was distracted. Distracted 
by a good thing. And that word, distracted, has the prefix uh, that means around. So we would say something like she was, literally, she's spinning around with all of this serving. So in the name of a certain kind of hospitality, um, she's left spinning around. And yet we all feel for her, right? Someone has to do these things. We empathize uh, with her. Uh, But this is the statement, distracted by much serving. Now, if any of you have been in church ministry for any period of time, uh, this is a haunting phrase to you, okay? Distracted by much serving or any form of ministry that you can, you know, marketplace, you name it. Uh, We can relate to this. In the name of service, in the name of teaching and leading and serving and loving and confronting and doing all that we're called to do, that can become a distraction. And people who are in the business of Jesus, what a horrible phrase that is, um, but you know what I'm saying, can be, I am doing all this work for Jesus and somehow (laughs) I've lost Jesus in the midst of all the activity and all the work. And this happens all the time, right? This is how burnout takes place. Um, This is how so many things can get unearthed in our lives. It's a good thing she's doing, and yet she's spinning around, uh, and she's missing out on something, which is what we're going to find out. Uh, Her comments to Jesus, I think, in verse 40, um, uh, reveal where her heart is. Let me read it to you. This is the second half of verse 40. She says this, Lord... Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Okay, on the surface, we absolutely empathize with her. But you just sit with that word for a second and you realize, what is she doing? She is, she's questioning Jesus' heart and she's ordering him around. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of, at least that's how it reads to me, right? And my point in saying that is she has, she has created a certain kind of hospitality that has not made room for him. That she has not created space in her own heart and mind, right? She's creating space in her home, but she hasn't created space in her own heart and mind for his presence. The Lord of the universe is in her home. And yet, given the responsibilities, there hasn't been space created for him, and she's not being transformed by his presence in her home, right? His, his authority is not being made real to her. His grace and his goodness and his love is not transforming her, so she is questioning his heart, and she's telling him what to do. And I was thinking, man, how, who relates to that, <laughs> Right? Like in all this activity, all these things that we're doing, right, much of it is good. We might be trying to clean ourselves up. She's probably cleaning the home. She's doing things. We are trying to clean up our lives. We encounter Christianity, and we start doing activity. We may be trying to clean ourselves up, but we haven't created space simply for Jesus, just to be with him, to experience his authority, his, his glory in our lives, his grace in our lives, and so we, we're not transformed, and so we're still running around, but in our hearts, we are questioning his love, his care. Gosh, I don't, I'm doing all this stuff. If you ask me, do I really know that Jesus just loves me? I don't know, but I'm going to keep going. 
And then we kind of order them around, right? We've got all this agenda. We've got these agendas. Lord, you need to do this. Lord, you need to do this. Lord, you need to do this. Right? We so relate. I so empathize with, with her. The Lord of the universe is in her home, and she is missing him. And Jesus' response, I think, is all time. <laughs> I think it's, it's amazing, right? Verse 41, let me read it again. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And I would call this a, a loving rebuke. And, and I, I'm picturing, you know, who knows exactly what this means, but I, I'm picturing Jesus looking at Martha, and he absolutely loves her. He loves her, and he sees what's going on in her heart. And he just speaks the truth in this loving, gracious, but strong way to hear her. Let me put it up there. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. And I don't know about you, but all I have to do is insert my name right there. I'm like, oh, David, David, you are worried and upset about many things. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. I, I invite you to, to put your own name and and. Figure out how much it rings true. And I picture Jesus even today, you know, looking out over our county of Orange with love in his heart, looking at these lives and going, oh, Orange County, Orange County, you are worried and you are upset about many things. Underneath all the activity, all the busyness, there's this restlessness, there's this anxiety. That's what's driving the the. the the, um, the distraction. That's what's driving all the activity. Why? Because you actually have not offered me true hospitality. You have not made room in your hearts and minds for me. And so you're not being transformed by me in the midst of all of this activity. <laughs> so relevant. So let's turn now to Mary. I assume this is Martha's younger sister. We get one single sentence uh, about her, and it is a beautiful sentence. Verse 39, take a look. She had a sister called Mary, and here's the description, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Let me put that up there. Mary was sitting at the feet of the Lord listening to his words. That's a beautiful image. Sitting at the feet. It's an image of reverence. It's an image of uh, attention, of receptivity, of devotion. And what she is doing is she is offering Jesus the deepest kind of hospitality. She is taking him in. She is making room in her heart and her mind for him. And what you, you maybe wouldn't know is, is, this, is this language is the language of discipleship in the first century. What Mary is actually doing in this moment, she is assuming the role of a disciple. This is what disciples did with their rabbis. They sat at their feet and they listened um, to their teaching. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting cultural stuff about that. Okay? In the first century, men were disciples. And women would um, be responsible for the domestic practical things so that the men would be freed up to be disciples. And yet here, Mary is presuming, if I can use that word, to be a disciple. And Jesus is absolutely welcoming her into that role. And so there's, there's a, it's a beautiful and, and, and fairly radical uh, 
cultural uh, moment here where Jesus is inviting in this woman into his circle of disciples. But I want to think about, you know, the dynamic with her and her sister. Um, I mean, I don't know how you feel about, you know, how she, you know, what, what's keeping her at the feet of Jesus, I guess what I want to ask. My assumption is uh, Martha has gone to ask Jesus. He, he's telling Jesus, tell my sister. My assumption is Martha has asked Mary several times, right? Mary, we need to do this. Mary, we need to, Mary, please. Finally, she does an end around and goes, Jesus, tell Mary she needs to do this. She's not listening to me, right? And again, first century hospitality. Mary would experience a, a profound sense of obligation in that moment, to offer a kind of hospitality in the home for Jesus. What is keeping her from doing that? And I don't think it's that she's irresponsible or she's lazy or she's selfish. I think what's keeping her from doing what would be the only appropriate thing in that context to do would be this. She is absolutely captivated. She is enthralled by this person who is in her home and by what he is saying. She's absolutely entranced by his presence. And so she's just created space. She probably can't even help herself. She's created space. She's offering him the deepest kind of hospitality. And he is transforming her. He is transforming her heart. He is transforming her mind. And so you have this, this real contrast um, these two different kinds of hospitality and the different uh, fruits that they uh, bear out. You have one who is worried and distracted by much serving versus one who is sitting at his feet and listening to his words. It's, it's a contrast on the one hand between anxiety and distraction and settledness and peace. It's that, it's that contrast. But it's also the, the, the contrast between many things. And one single thing. And in Jesus' words to Martha, it's that contrast that he focuses on, the difference between the many and the one. Let me read it again. Martha, Martha, verse 41, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. It's the many versus the one. Martha, you are spinning. You are distracted. You're anxious because you think there are many things that are important in this moment. Actually, there's only one thing that's important. And in this case, it's, it's me. It's Jesus. And Mary has chosen that, Martha. It's not going to be taken from her. And so, you know, I said at the beginning, this feels like this kind of insignificant and mundane story, but I think you see this, this gets at the very heart of this journey with Jesus, of what he's longing for in his followers. He says, I want the kind of hospitality where you are making room in your heart and mind for me because in the end, I want you. I don't want your activity. I don't want your service. Yes, that is great. I mean, I want that and desire that. But in the end, I want you. Make room in you for me. That's the heart of this journey. Make room in you for me. It is one thing that I want. I want all of you, and I want you to make room for me. That is the journey with Jesus. 
And what I love is if just stepping back from this story, what, what I love is that Jesus is inviting us into something that he himself is already doing. And I, I wanted, I had a whole other sermon that I was going to teach where I was going to take you through a series of stories uh, in, in Luke's gospel and the other gospels. We don't have time. But what I want to say is what Mary is, in, uh, what Jesus is inviting these sisters into, that kind of single-minded devotion, sitting at his feet, is the very life that he was already living with his God, with his heavenly father. And if you read Luke's Gospels and the other Gospels too, you will find as you look at Jesus' life that at the, on one hand, it was full of activity. It was very busy. There was lots of responsibility. He was being pulled in, in, in all sorts of different directions. Okay? You think you have a busy life. You think you have responsibilities. I promise you, Jesus can say, I see your responsibilities and I will one-up them. Try saving the world sometime, right? <laughs> he had so much going on, so much activity But at the very center, as you read and reread, at the center of his life, you will see, actually, his life was, in the end, about one thing, his relationship with his heavenly father. That was the driving force of everything that he did. And what you see as you read these accounts is he'll do all this activity, and then all of a sudden, he'll just kind of slip away for a morning or an entire evening or maybe even a a set of days to sit at his father's feet and to take in his words and to take in his presence. And so he'll do this and you'll watch his time with his father is what shapes his identity. It's what gives him rest and refreshment. It's what gives him discernment. So you'll, you'll, there'll be these moments where, where Jesus will be out preaching and, and all the fame will be building and people's expectations will be building and then all of a sudden Jesus just kind of slips away. And you get a sense is what he's doing is is he is re-centering his identity in the Father, right? It doesn't matter what the crowds think. Lord or Father, what is it that you want from me? What do you want me to do? And then he'll come back and then he'll like move on or do something. Or there's times where he's needing discernment. Who are the the people you want me to call as apostles? And he'll, he'll slip away and he'll get away for an entire evening overnight and just sit at his father's feet looking for, for discernment for direction. Then he'll come down from the mountain. He'll say, all right, here's my 12, right? Or it'll be rest. So all this activity and yet at the very center, it was simple. He was sitting at his father's feet, taking in his words, making room for his father and then living and doing what his father wanted. And I think that if we could have talked to Jesus during his, his earthly ministry, he would have said something like this. He would have said, you know, I know you, you look at my life, the teaching, the healings, the exorcisms, the confronting of the Jewish leadership, the serving, the loving. My life looks like it's about many things. But at, at core, my life is actually not about many things. My life is about one thing. It is about my father. It's about sitting at his feet taking him in, making room for him, and then doing whatever it is he wants me to do. That's my journey. It's, a, it's actually a simple journey. And what he does then is he invites us into this journey of simple, single-minded devotion to him. Amen? All right, so let me leave you with a, a couple questions uh, this morning. As if we've sat with uh, these two sisters in this story, here's, here's the main question I want to ask you. Um, what kind of hospitality are you offering to Jesus in your life right now? What kind of room, what kind of space are you making 
Is it a Martha-like hospitality? Is it a Mary-like hospitality or something else? And, and let me ask you this. What is the fruit of that hospitality in your heart? Do you find yourself worried and upset about many things? Do you find yourself distracted by many things? Or do you find your heart in the midst of the complexities of life, and there are many, centered on a single thing, at rest in a single thing? You know, I was thinking this week, um, we, we offer hospitality to things every day. The question is not, will we be hospitable? The question is, what will we be hospitable towards? What will we make room in our hearts and minds for? What are the things that we'll say, I will push other things out in order to make sure there is space created for this? And I, I couldn't help but think of that phrase, sitting at his feet and taking in his words. This is the image that popped up in my head. Um, you know, we make room, we sit at the feet and take in all sorts of things every day, right? Here's two kids sitting at the feet of the Panasonic or whatever it is, taking it in. There's a, they're offering a kind of hospitality, right, to something. And TV's just one thing. We can, you know, we talk a million things. This afternoon, most of us will, right? We will be hospitable. We will make room in our hearts and our minds and emotions for something, myself included, for a very fun thing. And, you know, we could go down all sorts of lists of what you make room for, but the question is not, will we be hospitable, but simply, um, what will we be hospitable towards? And so I want to I ask you that question. If you, as you sit with this, you sit with, where is my heart right now? Um, to ask yourself this, what would it look like in this season of my life, okay, not yesterday, not last year, but in this season of my life, to offer Jesus the kind of hospitality that he is longing for? What would it look like practically, daily, weekly, to, to make room in my heart and mind so that I'm sitting in his feet and taking him in? And I think the easiest place to start, practically speaking, is to think about mornings and evenings, right? Most of us, you get going midday and things get pretty, pretty harried. And so I think that the, the easiest place to start is to consider first our mornings. When I wake up, what would it look like to begin my day by sitting at the feet of Jesus? And you can get creative with what that looks like, right? There may be a physical space. There might be a, a, a chair or a room or something that makes that work for you. Um, your car can be that place. There can, you can take his words in as you're on your way to work, right? There's a million different ways to do that. But I think morning is a time. Because for many of us, if we don't start at the center it's real hard to get back to center midday, at least for me. If I don't start at the center, it's really hard to get there midday. And what about our evenings? Um, when, when the day's work is done, and of course throughout the day there are these windows that we have to recenter, but uh, after the kids go down, after the work is done, um, what, is it, what would it look like to make room for Jesus there? I think those are the most, the, maybe the most logical, practical places to start. What would that look like for you? You know, um, we're talking a lot uh, about our culture today. Uh, we're having a lot of conversations about that. We're living in a culture um, that externally is increasingly marked by a complexity, a multiplicity of opportunities, of distractions and diversions, and internally is increasingly marked by a restlessness, uh, a busiedness, a, distract, a distraction. 
And how great would it be if, if we were these profoundly and beautifully countercultural people who, on the one hand, absolutely have to navigate, learn to navigate the complexity of our, of our you know, 21st century world, but at core, if we could say, you know what, actually, in the end, my life is not about many things. My, my life is about one thing. Yes, that one thing has many different implications, many different applications throughout the day, but at core, my life is actually quite simple. It is about one thing. It is about Jesus. It is about making room in my heart, in my mind, in my life for the King of Kings. And that's what I want in the midst of all this other stuff. I'm making room. And you know why I do that? <laughs> because I'm captivated. Because I'm enthralled. Because the more I get to know this guy, the more I go, there is nothing that compares to him. Because I'm making room, and as I do that, he is transforming me. And so my life is more and more about him. Those are the people that he invites us to be. So let me, amen, Michael. Um, let me pray for us, all right? Let's just create a little bit of space. I'll invite the team up here, and we're going to respond uh, in worship and singing to our Lord. But let me pray for us, and um, let's just create some space right now to consider that. What, what kind of hospitality um, are you offering Jesus, and what would it look like to offer him the kind that he longs for, the kind that will actually transform you? So would you bow with me? Lord, most of us can relate to being worried and anxious and distracted by the many things. And so our prayer this morning is that your voice would offer a fresh invitation to us to one simple thing, which is nothing more and nothing less than you. Lord, we, we need so much help doing that. We need your spirit to free us from the hold that we have on all these other things we're trying to control um, that are really yours to control. So would you, would you bring freedom? Uh, freedom from the, you know, Martha needed freedom. She needed to experience a, a kind of freedom in that moment. And that's what we need. We need to be freed for that which is best, which is you. So do that and help us in very practical ways, figure out where and when and how can we actually make room for you, Lord, and make those times rich and life-giving and refreshing. Center our identities in those times again, Lord, that we can then go out uh, and live for you and live with you and in you. So we offer ourselves to you, and even now as we sing to you, would you be inviting us into that deeper, simpler devotion to you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.